Rico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello. And welcome to Eco Report. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. Coming up later in today's feature report, Enrique Sands with the Indiana Environmental Reporter will discuss small modular nukes, which covers installing modular nuclear reactors in decommissioned coal power plants. And now for your environmental reports. The Republic Newspaper reports that the Bartholomew County Plan Commission, in a 5-2 to two vote, has approved changes submitted by the county commissioners to an ordinance regulating placement of solar fields. The commission approved changes submitted by commissioners to the original recommendations approved by the Plan Commission in August. Although Bartholomew County's solar field ordinance is now in place, Large-scale projects, such as the proposed 200-megawatt Swallowtail Solar Farm, won't be considered until next year. For each proposed solar field development, a public hearing will be held before the Bartholomew County Board of Zoning Appeals before board members take a vote based on a specific set of criteria. One of the key factors within the ordinance is that it allows negotiations between solar energy companies and neighboring farmers to reduce the established setbacks. The Indy Star reported an update on the loss of wetlands. Despite strong opposition from the state's own environmental and natural resource experts and concerns from the governor's office, lawmakers pushed through a bill last year gutting protections for Indiana's dwindling wetlands. The legislation was a move that benefited powerful business, agriculture, and construction interests. Still, legislators threw opponents a bone. The bill also created a task force to evaluate the status of wetlands, which experts say are a critical piece of the state's ecosystem. The rush to eliminate protections raised the question, why, absent an emergency, which did not exist, would the legislature not put the proposed changes on hold until the topic could be studied? Quote, The unfortunate thing is that we really should have had a careful and deliberative task force process before changing wetlands law, end quote, said Andrew Frank with the Hoosier Environmental Council. That would have been a good time to sit down and take a look at how it's functioning and what we could potentially do better. But that didn't happen. Now the Indiana Wetlands Task Force has released its final report, which advocates, experts, and industry say include some pretty powerful findings and recommendations. Chief among them, Indiana needs state-level regulations for preserving wetlands, like the very ones that were stripped last year. One of the most fundamental proposals in the report is that the state needs to make the environment a priority, 
both in policy and legislation, as well as funding to agencies and for conservation. But it can be argued that the priority of the environment is already assigned, way below those of profit and exploitation. WTHR in Indy reports that Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb said he has been focused on business while spending this week at the UN Climate Conference in Egypt. The Republican governor said that he has talked with corporate and foreign government leaders about the renewable energy investments being made in Indiana by the state and businesses, even amid skepticism among fellow Republicans in the state legislature over such steps. As Indiana lawmakers debate dozens of bills addressing environmental matters, tensions are flaring over whether the state should adopt greener initiatives or step back current policy affecting water, energy, and other resources. Indiana's record shows that the state mostly attracts businesses that pollute a lot. Quote, there are so many big decisions being made about reshoring, onshoring, and building supply chains and clusters and ecosystems, and making sure that you're eliminating all the supply chain pain and have, just in case, access to the products that you need to meet the consumer demand, end quote, Holcomb said. Midwest Energy reports that wind has surpassed hydroelectric power as the largest generation of electricity in South Dakota. Last year, over 52% of the electricity generated in the state came from wind turbines. That's because of a large number of new, better turbines built in recent years. The state was home to 526 turbines before 2019. Another 511 were constructed from 2019 to 2021. South Dakota now produces twice as much electricity as it uses. It exports the rest to nearby states, according to the Public Utilities Commission. Commissioner Christy Feigen said newer wind projects were motivated by more transmission lines, available tax credits that developers feared were coming to an end, and technological advances that make turbines a more feasible investment. A story in the New York Times paints a dire picture of where the globe is headed regarding climate change. The story points out that countries around the world are failing to live up to their commitments to fight climate change. Earth is headed toward a future marked by more intense flooding, wildfires, drought, heat waves, and species extinction, according to a report by the United Nations. Just 26 of 193 countries that agreed last year to step up their climate actions have followed through with more ambitious plans. The world's top two polluters, China and the United States, have taken some action but have not pledged more this year, and climate negotiations between the two have been frozen for months. Without drastic reductions in greenhouse gas emissions, the report said, the planet is on track to warm by an average 2.1 to 2.9 degrees Celsius, compared with pre-industrial levels by the year 2100. Many climate scientists would say the UN report is underestimating the damage and warming could be as much as 4 degrees Celsius. That's far higher than the goal of 1.5 degrees Celsius, or 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit, set by the landmark Paris Agreement in 2015, and it crosses the threshold beyond which scientists say the likelihood of catastrophic climate impacts significantly increase. 
Virtually no climate scientist believes that 1.5 Celsius is now possible. Closer to home, the Indiana legislature is doing nothing to advance wind or solar. With each fraction of a degree of warming, tens of millions more people worldwide would be exposed to life-threatening heat waves, food and water scarcity, and coastal flooding, while millions more mammals, insects, birds, and plants would disappear. Long-term, it looks like ocean levels could rise by 20 to 50 feet. This report came in just before the nations began gathering for the UN climate talks in Egypt to discuss unfulfilled promises and take stock of the fight to stave off environmental catastrophe. The EU's plans to phase out the sale of new diesel and gasoline cars and vans took a big step forward this week after the European Council and European Parliament came to a provisional agreement on the issue. In a statement, the European Parliament said EU negotiators had agreed on a deal related to the European Commission's proposal for zero-emission road mobility by 2035. The plan seeks to slash CO2 emissions from new vans and passenger cars by 100% from 2021 levels and would constitute an effective ban on new diesel and gasoline vehicles of these types. The European Commission is the EU's executive branch. The Indiana legislature has not presented a plan to convert over to EVs. NDOT is investing nearly $100 million to build an electric vehicle charging network at strategic locations across Indiana through the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program created by passage of the 2021 Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, NDOT will contract with partners to build Level 3 DC fast charge charging stations along Indiana's federally designated alternative fuel corridors. And now, Enrique Sainz with the Indiana Environmental Report will discuss small modular nukes, which covers installing modular nuclear reactors in decommissioned coal power plants. As extreme weather gets more frequent and extreme, the Biden administration is looking for ways to move away from fossil fuels, the source of the mess we're in. The Department of Energy commissioned a report and found that most existing and newly retired coal-fired power plants could be repurposed to house future nuclear energy projects cheaply and provide an economic boost to disadvantaged communities. Here's the breakdown. About 80% of the nation's coal-fired power plants could host advanced nuclear reactors, such as small modular reactors, at 35% the cost of placing them on undeveloped land. The installations could provide 265 gigawatts of electricity, or nearly a quarter of the utility-scale electricity produced in the U.S. in a year, onto existing grids cheaply. Transitioning to fossil fuel-free nuclear energy instead of adopting methane-laden natural gas for electricity production could provide financial benefits to utilities and nearby disadvantaged communities, according to the report. With all that good news, nuclear energy could definitely be a valid option for decarbonization. But is it the best option? Environmental and consumer advocates say no. Advanced nuclear reactors are the latest generation of nuclear reactor technology derived from designs originally developed for use in naval ships. Advanced nuclear reactors include the small modular reactor, and the non-light water reactor, which are designed to be smaller, safer, 
and much less expensive than the nuclear reactors currently in operation in the US. Small modular reactors, or SMRs, are a fraction of the size of a large nuclear reactor and can produce about one-third the electricity produced by conventional nuclear reactors. SMRs are manufactured off-site and are assembled where the reactor will be housed. The U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission finalized the certification of the first SMR designed for use in the U.S. in July. The new scale Voyager power plant can hold 4, 6, or 12 modules that each produce 50 megawatts of electricity. There are currently no SMRs in operation in the U.S., but one project is in progress in Idaho. The carbon-free power project at the Department of Energy's Idaho National Laboratory has been in development since 2015 and is scheduled to begin generating power with new-scale Voyager modules in 2029. Non-light water nuclear reactors rely on materials other than water for cooling, including liquid sodium, helium, and molten salt. Bill Gates' TerraPower Nuclear Energy Company will build a $4 billion demonstration non-light water nuclear power plant in Kemmerer, Wyoming. The sodium-cooled 345-megawatt reactor, branded as Natrium by the company, is scheduled to begin construction in 2024 and is expected to be complete by 2028. The Department of Energy's report looked at how active and retired coal-fired power plant sites could house small modular reactors and non-light water nuclear reactors. The Energy Department analyzed 157 retired coal power plant sites and 237 operating sites, including nine unidentified sites in Indiana. The study found that 80% of the sites were conducive for siting advanced reactors and 22% were amenable to siting large light water and non-light water reactors. Building an advanced nuclear reactor at one of these sites could save utilities between 15% and 35% compared to building the site on undeveloped land. The replacement of coal-fired power plants with advanced nuclear reactors was also found to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the Midwest by as much as 86% and increase regional economic activity by as much as $275 million near every plant within the first decade of operation. Construction of a nuclear plant at one of these sites would also add about 650 new permanent jobs distributed across the nuclear plant, the supply chain supporting it, and the surrounding community. New nuclear projects will also greatly financially benefit the utility companies that take on those projects. Utility companies' profits mainly come from the investment in the infrastructure used to provide its services, which makes up most of a ratepayer's monthly bill. Base rates make up between 66 to 99% of an average residential customer's bill before taxes. New tax credits in a recently passed Inflation Reduction Act could help convince utilities to make the switch to nuclear energy. Utilities that build advanced nuclear reactors in 2025 or later can now receive an investment tax credit worth 30% of the amount they paid to build the facility. That, along with state-level cost recoupment measures, could provide enough financial incentives to convince utilities to add nuclear energy to their future energy production plans. Earlier this year, the Indiana General Assembly passed Senate Bill 271, which allows utilities to construct small modular nuclear reactors in the state as long as they plan to apply for federal nuclear permits. The law also added small modular reactors to the list of clean energy projects that are eligible for financial incentives, including recovery of costs through rate increases for utility customers. 
According to industry experts who testified during the bill's advancement through the Indiana legislature, the federal permit process to construct a nuclear facility takes about three years, and reactor construction takes another three to four years. That means utilities could charge their ratepayers for the better part of a decade before receiving any electricity produced by the SMR project. Duke Energy Indiana and Purdue University are exploring the feasibility of using a SMR to power the university's West Lafayette campus. AES Indiana and Centerpoint Energy are considering adding SMRs to their resource plans. NIPSCO said it has not evaluated SMRs as a realistic resource option, but will monitor the technology's progress. Environmental and consumer advocacy groups in Indiana said utilities have better options than nuclear energy. And the issue is not so much the efficacy of nuclear power, but a lack of faith in utilities' will to decarbonize. The Sierra Club's Beyond Coal campaign said it supports a transition from fossil fuels to clean energy, but not if that transition is to risky and costly nuclear energy. The group said safer, cheaper, and more reliable options like wind and solar are readily available. Nuclear energy is considered the most reliable energy source by the Department of Energy. Nuclear plants are able to produce maximum power more than 92% of the year. That is twice as much as natural gas and coal-fired units, and three times as much as wind and solar plants, according to the Department of Energy. But without subsidies, electricity derived from nuclear power plants is about five times more expensive than electricity from utility-scale renewable energy systems like wind and solar. Utility-scale wind and solar are also much less expensive to install. Each utility-scale 2-megawatt wind turbine costs between $3 million and $4 million, and solar systems cost about $890,000 per megawatt. Both of the currently planned advanced nuclear energy projects being built in Idaho and Wyoming depend heavily on federal subsidies. The carbon-free power project has received more than a billion dollars from the Department of Energy to keep the project afloat, and about half of the $4 billion TerraPower project will be subsidized by the federal government. The Citizens Action Coalition of Indiana argues that utility investment in small modular reactors would result in years of additional sunk costs for ratepayers without any return. So far, advanced nuclear energy projects have had difficulties getting built. The Idaho Carbon-Free Power Project was approved for construction in August 2020, but within months, the project was delayed by three years and the cost climbed from $4.2 billion to $6.1 billion. Similar expensive overruns have happened at recently constructed nuclear plants around the nation, saddling customers with billions of dollars of extra costs. A pair of nuclear reactors in Georgia known as Votal 3 and Votal 4 were authorized by Georgia's regulatory agency in 2009 at the cost of $14.1 billion. The project faced delays and cost overruns that pushed back the completion dates of the project four years and caused the price to more than double to $32 billion. Ratepayers for Georgia Power, the company building the reactors, paid $3.5 billion more in their electric bills between January 2011 and December 2020 to cover the cost of the reactor financing and will pay about $500 million more by the end of construction. In South Carolina, lawmakers approved a $9.8 billion project to build two nuclear reactors at the Virgil C. Summer Nuclear Station. The project was scrapped after a series of construction setbacks and cost overruns, and ratepayers were left paying off $2.3 billion 
for nothing in return. The state of Indiana had its own failed nuclear project in the early 1980s, when the Public Service Company of Indiana, now part of Duke Energy Corporation, abandoned the Marble Hill Nuclear Generating Station project in Jefferson County halfway through construction. Customers were left paying $2.5 billion, or about $6.7 billion in today's dollars, in extra utility rate increases over 20 years. Not only will ratepayers most likely be responsible for the cost of building a nuclear plant, they will also most likely be responsible for the cost of decommissioning a nuclear plant if a utility decides to retire it. The years-long process of decommissioning a nuclear reactor in the U.S. is estimated to cost between $544 million to $821 million. The Citizens Action Coalition argues that the state authorized power to recoup these costs by passing them on to ratepayers essentially forces customers to give utilities an interest-free loan. The Citizens Action Coalition and environmental groups are also concerned about the storage of radioactive waste from potential Indiana reactors. Indiana's SMR law allows utilities to store the waste at the nuclear plant site as long as federal requirements are met. According to the NRC, spent nuclear fuel is stored either in 20-foot deep pools of water or in gas-lined dry casks. The commission said the two storage methods provide adequate protection of public health, safety, and the environment, but some studies have found some links between living near nuclear plants and an increased risk of developing cancer in the thyroid, bladder, and the brain. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. Participate in a Hidden Caves hike at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, November 19th from 1 to 2 p.m. Meet Tony at the Oak Ridge Shelter to see a couple of off-trail caves that are part of the Hamer Cave System. This is a rugged one-hour hike. Enjoy a snake meet and greet at Brown County State Park on Sunday, November the 20th from 2 to 2.30 p.m. Meet at the Nature Center for an up-close and personal look at one of Indiana's native snakes. Learn about their unique traits, the threats they face, and how snakes affect your life. You can touch one if you want to. The third annual Monroe Lake Hiking Challenge begins on Thursday, November 24th at 7 a.m. and must be completed by Sunday, November 27th at 7 p.m. This is an opportunity to get away from shopping and holiday stress as you explore the beauty of the Monroe Lake Trails. The Holiday Hiking Challenge will be posted on the Facebook event page on Wednesday, November 23rd at bit.ly slash 2022 hyphen Monroe hyphen hike 
challenge. Learn about the woodpeckers of Indiana at Brown County State Park on Saturday, November the 26th from 11 to 11.45 a.m. Park expert, bird enthusiast, and NPR's Moment of Silence radio personality, Don Glass, will give a presentation and discussion about Indiana's seven species of native woodpeckers. Find out what they look like, their behaviors, and some of the issues they face today. Craft a beautiful seasonal decoration at the Snowy Pinecone Candle Holder Workshop at the Paintown State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake on Sunday, November 27th from 2 to 3 p.m. You will be able to transform a plain mason jar into a votive candle holder with a snow and pinecone theme. You will also learn about pinecone-producing trees. Sign up at bit.ly slash candle hyphen NOV 2022. EcoReport is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy, our Feature was prepared and presented by Enrique Sainz with the Indiana Environmental Reporter. Our script today was assembled by Juliana Daly and edited by Patrick Callanan. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced today's show and edited its audio. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to The Eco Report, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source for South Central Indiana, bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org. Thank you.